Thank you for listening to the Pursuit Church podcast. This is more than a podcast. Pursuit Church is a movement to connect to Jesus and make a difference. If you need prayer or would like to financially support our mission, reach out to us online at PursuitChurchSA.com. Now grab your headphones and get ready to dive into this week's message. You know, for so many of us, Christmas is one of our favorite times of the year, right? It's, it's for many people, we say it's our best time of the year. But before we go any further, I want to acknowledge that for many people, this time of year can bring on some sadness. There's a loved one maybe who isn't here anymore. Maybe the weariness of life is kind of catching up with you right now. Or maybe there's a loss right now that you're in the middle of processing. If that's you, or maybe you know somebody going through that in this season, I want you to know that Jesus sees it and knows about all of it. He knows about your sadness. He knows about your loss. He knows about your pain. And one of the most beautiful things about this time of year is it gives us a chance to remember the true meaning of Christmas. And that is that Jesus came to the earth to bring you hope and healing for those kinds of things and for so much more. Now, listen, Pastor Karen and I, Christmas is our favorite time of the year. I'm just being honest, you know. In fact, we're one of those people. We're, we're what I would call a November 1st person. You know what one of those is, right? November 1st. Yeah, we're those people. The tree's going up. The decorations are going up. The blow-ups in the front yard, which is my job. All the outside illumination. Can I get some Clark Griswold, you know, fans in here? That's, yeah, I've been, I've been accused of, of being that before. So that, that's me. I'm Clark. Now I'm not getting up on no roof. Let's just be clear about that. But I take a lot of pride in my exterior illumination. I mean, come on now. See, I mean, we just love Christmas because we want it to last as long as possible. And that's why we're those November 1st kind of people. We enjoy the lights. We enjoy the decorations, but you know what? I think the thing that I really love most about Christmas when it comes to that kind of stuff are the songs of Christmas. I love the music. I love the songs of Christmas. A song is a powerful thing, isn't it? A song can soothe our souls. A song can lift our spirit. A song can inspire us. A song can remind us of things. A song can express how we're feeling or maybe something that we're believing for. There is power in a song. Did you know that the Bible is actually full? One book. There's, there's a whole set list in this Bible, right? Did you know that? that? There's a whole set list of songs in this Bible. There's one whole book devoted to nothing but songs. It's called the book of Psalms. Right? If you've never read it. The next time you read it, yeah, it, it looks like it's just words on the paper, but I want you to imagine that there were instruments, that there was a cadence that goes with those songs. The word psalm itself is defined as a sacred song. That's actually what the word psalm means, sacred song. And there's 150 of them. That playlist in the Bible is 150. You want to know what the playlist in the Bible is? There's 150 songs in it. Songs that cry out to God, asking him to show up. Songs that speak of his greatness and his goodness. Songs that seek his help in a particular situation. It's truly a beautiful part of scripture. Now, 
the Psalms in the Bible are scripture though. So that means they are there for all reasons and all seasons. Okay. All reasons and all seasons. I want to talk today and over these next three weeks, we're going to be talking about a little different kind of song though. It's called a carol. A carol is a song associated with a season. See, a a carol is for a specific season. So when you hear the word Christmas carol, it's because it's associated with the season of Christmas. Now, there's basically two kinds of carols, okay? What I would call the commercial carols. Rudolph, Frosty, Jingle Bells. Hey, those are fun. They're fun. But you got to put them in their proper context. That's what they are. They're fun. Okay? They're not really related to the real reason of the season, but we can sing them for fun. So we're not going to be talking about those kind of carols, though, over the next three weeks. This is Jesus' house. (laughs) We're going to talk about the Jesus, what I call the Christ carols. And we're going to have three of them. Because, you see, these songs, these seasonal songs, these Christmas songs contain some powerful words. Some powerful words about the Savior of the world. Words that give us hope. Words that speak of a Savior. Words that remind us of the promises of God. Those are the kind of carols we're going to be talking about here in these next three weeks. We're starting today with the song we sang, Oh Holy Night. One of my most favorite, it's certainly one of my all-time favorites when it comes to Christ-centered Christmas carols. Before I dive into it, let me give you a little history about this song. I gave the worship team a little preview because uh, Bea was commenting, man, there's a lot of words in that song. If you're singing it, it's hard to to get to all those words. Well, Bea, I'm going to tell you why that song is, is so difficult to sing. Because back in the 1800s is when the song, mid-1800s, is when the song was actually written. Now, here's the thing. What happened with the song is it was written by a poet named Placide Capot. He was a French poet. And what happened was the town priest went to this poet and said, I'd like you to write a poem, not a song. I'd like you to write a poem about Luke chapter 2 which is all about the birth of Jesus. And so this poet, sure enough, wrote a poem. That's why there's so many words in it, because it really wasn't written originally as a song. It was written as a poem. But over time, someone put some music to that poem, and it became a song. The song, O Holy Night, almost 50 years later, on Christmas Eve, 1906, was played on AM radio. It was the first song ever played on AM radio. The first song ever, 1906. It was on Christmas Eve. And the person doing the broadcast recited Luke chapter 2 and then played this song. Oh, the song has quite a bit of history. The song has quite a bit of history. It's a powerful song. I want to put on the screen some of the words, some of the words of that song that we sang earlier today. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. 
It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt this worth. That's actually Pastor Karen's favorite part of the song right there. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees. Oh, hear the angel voices. Oh, night divine, the night when Christ was born. This song, set to the story of Luke chapter 2, paints a powerful picture, doesn't it? Wow. And there are so many meaningful messages in this song. So much truth, so much we could, we could kind of dig into. But there's two particular lines of the song that I want to focus on today and, and, and preach about. They're not going to be the ones Pastor Karen likes the most. If she was up here preaching, those are probably the ones she would use, Okay. But I'm going to take two different lines in this song. And that's actually what we're going to be doing in this series. We're going to go to the carol, and there'll be a different one each week, and find some words in those songs that are powerful, that give us meaning, that give us something. We kind of dig out some of the meaning behind those words. So the first line that I'd like us to focus on today is this. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. Ooh, weary world, man, weary world. Has that phrase ever been more relevant than right now? The economy, strained relationships, family struggles, illnesses. There's a lot of things that can bring weary, weariness to our world. Sometimes it can just feel like we're just trying to keep our heads above water, especially here in this Christmas season. So many of us can relate to those words. A weary world. And yet, the words of the song tell us that we can have hope. We can have hope and actually rejoice despite our weariness. Wow. You see, on that holy night back in Bethlehem over 2,000 years ago, almost 2,000 plus, there were weary people in Israel who had been waiting thousands of years for a promised Savior. They had been waiting thousands of years for this event to take place. And on the night he was born, Jesus brought with him the hope that they needed. Wow. Maybe you came in here today weary and tired and worried. Wearied from the, uh, weary from the weight of the world that you're carrying on your shoulders. Tired of waiting for a situation to change. Or maybe you're worried about how something is going to work out. I'll bet you if I said those three things, everyone in this room is experiencing one of those three things right now. Man, if that is you today, or if any weariness comes upon you during this Christmas season, I want you to remember that the thrill of hope, Jesus Christ came to bring you peace and hope for whatever is making you weary. Yes, that's one of the reasons Jesus came. The thrill of hope, the thrill of hope. Man, now the rest of the time I actually want to spend on a, on, a, on a different line because the next line I want to focus on focuses on the next day. Okay, we, we talked about the night, but there's a line in this song that actually talks about the next day. What happened? It's this line, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. That's the next day. You see, the birth of Jesus brought more than just the thrill of a fulfilled prophecy. 
Jesus brought a new and a lasting hope. I want you to hear that. Jesus brought a new and a lasting hope when he came. I want to go back now, though, to the Old Testament. We're going to be in a book called Lamentations. You see, Lamentations was written about 580 years before Jesus was born. It was written by a man and a prophet named Jeremiah. Now, here's the context of what's going on in Lamentations before we read the scripture from there that that I want to get to. Israel had been overtaken by their enemies. It was not a good time. If you want to talk about a weary group of people, that was them. And probably the weariest among them was the prophet Jeremiah. In fact, he would be referred to by the way he wrote the, the book Jeremiah and Lamentations as the weeping prophet. The weeping prophet is what Jeremiah was known as. Man. And what's going on here in the book of Lamentations is he is complaining about his condition. He's complaining about his situation. He's complaining to God, not just for himself, but for his people, right? Maybe you've actually heard of the word to lament over something. That's where this book gets its name, right? Lamenting is a deep, I'm going to say it this way. Lamenting is a deep complaining. (laughs) It's really what it is. It's deep. It's not just surface. No, it's, it's down here. Anybody ever get down here? Woo. And there's stuff going on in your life and you just start lamenting. You say, oh my God, what literally, oh my God, what is going to happen? What are you going to do? What am I going to (laughs) do? Man. And so in this book of Lamentations, what we see is Jeremiah expressing his worry, his tiredness, his weariness about his and his people's circumstances. Well, it sounds like a fun book. Pastor Bob, why, why are you preaching about Lamentations? It was Christmas. We're supposed to be happy. We're supposed to be having a good time. Because I want to show you something. Man, this just hit me like a ton of bricks when I was preparing this. I want to share with you some scripture and Lamentations. Nothing is by accident with God, but I want you to, I want you to know this. <laughs> what I'm going to share with you is there's a but. How many people are glad that with God there is a but? No matter what else is going on, but God. And Jeremiah has one of these but God moments. And here's where he has it. Right in the middle of the book of Lamentations. Lamentations has five chapters. Guess where this reading we're going to look at is three. Is three not in the middle of five? How many people know that God will meet you in the middle of your mess? Woo, man, I just, in fact, that's the very first thing when I was preparing this message and I knew I was going to use this passage of scripture. I said, wait a minute. It's right in the middle of his complaining, right in the middle of his despair, right in the middle of his discontent. This is what Jeremiah writes. Chapter three, starting in verse 20. I well remember them. The the them is his situation. It's what he's remembering right now. And my soul is what? Downcast within me. Yet, or I'd even put the, if I was rewriting the scripture, I'd put the word, but this I call to mind. And therefore I have what? 
hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never what? They never fail. They are new when? Every morning. Not every once in a while. They are new every morning. Do you think Jeremiah needed some every morning mercy and grace right then in his life? Woo. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, I say to myself, sometimes you got to encourage yourself now. David, you know, King David told us that sometimes you got to be able to encourage yourself. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is what? He is good to those whose hope is in him. To the one who seeks him, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Man, what a, what a but moment. What a but moment. What a yet moment Jeremiah experienced here. I know what you're walking through. I don't know what's going on in your life, but I thank God there's always a but. Man, I just, that just hit me like there was no tomorrow. I thank God there is a but in the sentence. You see, in this scripture, we see Jeremiah's recognition of a new day that was coming. He's moving from a place of pain to a place of possibilities. That's what's going on here. Jesus, my friends, came to bring you and I a new day and new possibilities. Did you know that? That's one of the reasons Jesus came is to give us a new day, a new life, new hope in him. Jeremiah reminded himself about God's goodness his faithfulness, and the new hope that he could find. My friends, I'm here, to today, I'm here today to remind you about three things that Jesus brought on that next day, on that new and glorious morning. I want to I I share with you three things that Jesus brought. The first thing that Jesus brought was this, exactly what you need. Woo, come on. Jesus brought with him that next morning, Jesus was bringing everything that you need. You see, Lamentations 3.24, Jeremiah refers to that as his portion, right? But let's look at God's history. God had provided manna for those in the desert. It says day after day after day. Why? Because they needed it. Because they needed it. When Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, part of that prayer says, God... Give us this day our what? Daily bread. Why? Because we need God every day. We need Jesus every day. We need Jesus in every situation. Man, Jesus came to earth not because we wanted a Savior. You better hear this. Because we needed a Savior. Not just because we wanted one. We needed one. Come on. You see, there was, there was no other way back to the Father but for the Son to come. That's it. It wasn't a want. It was a need. Like air that you're breathing. It's a need. Man. (coughs) We need Jesus, though, for so much more than just our salvation. And I'm not minimizing our salvation. Matter of fact, you know what was cool? I was thinking about this today. What was the first song we sang today? It was an Easter song, wasn't it? Do you know... Remember, there's always going to be a connection between Easter and Christmas, right? There is no resurrection without the birth, okay? 
So some of you sitting out, why, why are we doing an Easter song? Well, let me tell you, every time you think about Christmas, you better be thinking about Easter. And vice versa, at Easter, you better be thinking about the birth of Jesus because they're always going to be connected. And what's the second song we sing? Then we sang about the birth. Wow. See the connection? Powerful. Worship team, good job. Good job. So let me tell you some things that we need Jesus for besides just our salvation, as important as that is. When you're hurting and you need healing, Jesus brings you hope. When you are weak and need support, Jesus brings you strength. When you are down and need encouragement, Jesus can lift you up and bring you new joy and new energy. I got a drink. Preaching today. Okay. Tell like TD Jakes now. Okay, Bishop. All right. Yeah, that's my homage to Pastor Jakes. One of my favorite preachers, by the way. All right. Let me tell you some other times that you're going to need Jesus. When your marriage or a relationship hits a rough patch and you need restoration, Jesus can bind you back together. When you feel lost, and need direction, Jesus can show you the way forward. Let me tell you what, we need Jesus. And he brings exactly what we need and when we need it. You see, everything you will ever need. Now, here's an important distinction. I didn't say everything you will ever want. I said everything you will ever need, you can find in Jesus. You can find it. And here's, here's the problem, and I'm, I'm just telling you right now. Don't ever exchange your wants for needs. Well, wants are one thing. Wants are wishes, okay? Needs are something you have to have. And I'm telling you, my friends, too many times we exchange our wants for needs. We, we want something. We want something. We start convincing ourselves falsely that we actually need it. But the reality is we don't. Here's the, here's the thing. I mean, just a simple example. Yeah, you want to buy 58 Christmas presents over the next three weeks, but you need to pay your rent next month. You hear what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, there's, there's a lot of things we want. But I'm going to say there's very few things that we actually need. Jesus came to bring what you need. He's not a genie in a bottle. He's not an cosmic ATM machine. Oh, I want this. Jesus, just give it. No. Jesus and God, God's a loving father. He's, he's going to give you what you need. And praise God, I, I hope he's going to protect us from what we want. But let me, let, let me show you another example of that. For many years in the Old Testament, the people were ruled by judges. And all of a sudden, they got this harebrained idea. We want a king. We don't want to live with judges no more because see under the judges, they were directly communing with God for what they needed for, for everything in their life. And all of a sudden they got this idea. I want, we want a judge, excuse me, we want a King. Now a lot of bad things happen because of what they wanted. And the funny thing, if you go read the scripture, Jesus or God told them, all right, I'm going to give you what you're asking for. I'm going to give you what you want. 
But don't be surprised when it don't go good. And guess what? In many, many ways, it didn't go good. Be careful what you, be careful in that distinction between wants and needs. Jesus came to bring us everything that we need. In fact, his word says, with Jesus, we're going to have an abundant life. We're actually going to have more than we actually even need. Right? He's, but he's going to give us everything that we need. Plus, because that's the kind of God that we serve. We serve a plus God. <laughs> right? I'm not going to say plus size. I don't know size God. No, we serve a plus God. He gives us more than we could ever hope or imagine for, is what his word says. Focus on what you need from God, not necessarily what you want. I'm not saying it's a bad thing to ask God for things, but, but always be praying with that distinction in mind. Is this something I want or is this something I really need God to come in? Let me tell you the next thing that we see that Jesus brought. He brought the hope to keep going. Whew. Anybody ever need the hope sometimes just to keep going? I mean, the hope to keep going. Lamentations 3.25 reminded us that the Lord is good to what? Those whose hope is in him. The one who seeks him. You know, studies show that you can do without food for, well, Jesus did without it for 40 days. But, you know, roughly, let's, let's say 30 to 40 days, you could go without food. You can go without water for Maybe five, seven days. You can go without oxygen for maybe a couple minutes. You know something else you really can't do without? Hope. You know, I don't do, we don't do good without hope. We don't do good without hope. You see, that's what had happened to Jeremiah. That's what he's expressing. He was, uh, if you read all of the chapters one and two and most of chapter three before this, He's expressing his depression. He's expressing his disappointment. He is without hope for a minute. Mm. But then, but, but then he remembered, wait a minute, I do have hope. And it was that hope that pulled him out of that pit of despair. That's what pulled him out of that pit. He was it. Why and how was he able to do that though? He was able to do that by focusing on what I would call a holy hope. And I'm going to explain that in just a minute. He had a holy, a holy hope is something you can count on. And it's not the same as what the world offers. It's not the same. You see, when you hear the word hope from a worldly perspective, it's more of a wish. We're being honest. It's more of a wish. There, there, there ain't no guarantee. Like, I hope this happens in my life. I hope, you know, my 401k goes up. I hope, I hope. Well, that's all good, but it's really just a wish. A holy hope, which is what Jeremiah was focused on, is rooted and planted in God and in his son, Jesus Christ. And because it is, you can take it to the bank. You can count on it. You can know it's going to happen. It's no longer a wish. It's actually a fulfilled promise that you're just looking forward to. That's holy. That's the hope that Jeremiah was expressing. Not a wish, a confident belief that God was going to do what he said he was going to do. Jeremiah didn't know how long, didn't know how many years it was going to take, but he was confident and had hope. Part of the, we didn't read it, but part of it, he says, he 
honored and counted on God's faithfulness. That's what he said. This is the way it's expressed in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. And this is our hope in Christ now. Okay. Let us hold unswervingly to the what? The hope that we profess for he who promised it is what? Faithful. My friends, what are you putting your hope in? Is it your next promotion at work? The stock market? God forbid the government? (laughs) Your 401k or retirement account? Are you putting your hope in another person? None of those things will provide the hope that Jesus brought with him on that new morning over 2,000 years ago. None of those things will give you the same hope that Jesus does. Because you see, the stock market is up one day and down the next. So is your retirement account. The person you may be putting your hope into can change at any moment. The hope that we have in Jesus, though, is so different from that, isn't it? You see, Jesus brings the same things to us that God brought to Jeremiah. Love, compassion, mercy, and faithfulness. Mm. And are we going to need those things to keep going sometimes? Yeah, we are. We are. We're going to need those things to keep us going. We're going to need that kind of hope to keep going. When we're down and dejected, we can hold firmly to the love and compassion that our Savior has for us. When we mess up, we can rest assured that the mercy of God and that mercy that he has for us is still intact. We still have a hope for an eternal life, and it's still secure because of what Jesus did on the cross, because of Easter, right? See how we're always going to connect those two? Because of Easter, (laughs) we can count on Christmas. Wow. When you're tired, when you're weary, when you need the hope to keep going, just hold on to Jesus. Will you just, just hold on to Jesus when you're in those moments? He loves you. He is faithful. And my friends, he will never let you go. He will never. Come on. Yes. He will never let you go. Wow. All right, here's here's the third thing that I want to share that Jesus brought on that next morning. Jesus brought the help that you're seeking. Woo, he brought the help that you're seeking. Hey, right now, what are you seeking in your life? Is there something that you're waiting for? Well, Lamentations 3.26 reminds us that, hey, waiting is part of life. It's also part of our relationship with God. But here's my question. How do you wait? How do you wait? Are you impatiently waiting by trying to do things in your own strength? Have it your way? Is that how you tend to wait? When you're waiting, are you loud and complaining like Jeremiah? You see, Jeremiah spent pretty much the whole book of Jeremiah and the whole book of Lamentations doing just that. Now, he had some moments. Moments of clarity, like we saw right here in chapter 3. You know, he had a moment of clarity in Jeremiah 29. You know, everyone's favorite verse. Yeah, he, he had some moments of hope and clarity. But for the most part, he didn't wait quietly. And yet, right there, in verse 26, I think he has an aha moment. 
He says, maybe it is better if I wait quietly without so much complaining. Jeremiah has a, has a realization. Wait a minute. He comes to the conclusion that, listen, if I'm putting my hope in God and I know I can count on him, then I can wait patiently because he knows God's going to show up, right? If you know that, that's what helps you to wait quietly. Jeremiah had the moment of clarity just for a minute. Cause actually, if you start going back to chapter four and five, he's kind of back in the complaining mode, but then in five, he comes read, read the whole book of Lamentations. The end of five, he comes back to the realization. Yeah, but God is good. God is going to come. So, so he, he still gets it right. But you know, he wasn't perfect. Right. I'm telling you right after three, you know, he's, he's, he's doing this again. Anybody here do that sometimes? Okay. You're in good company. Okay. You're, you're in good, good company, but we always remember God wins in the end. So Jeremiah remembered. Wow. Here's the thing. You can count on Jesus to help you when you need it. You can count on it. Now here's the thing. Does quietly, let's talk about this. Does quietly waiting mean that you just, you don't talk to God. You don't, you just sit there. No, no, no. Quietly, you keep talking to God. Don't ever think that quietly waiting means it's just you. You're on an island. You're doing this. Okay, God. No, you keep talking to God. You keep praying. You keep pouring out your heart. He is your portion. What it means to quietly wait, though, is placing your hope and your trust in Jesus that he is going to bring you what you need. That's what quietly waiting looks. Hey, listen, Lazarus had to wait four days. Had to wait four days. The woman with the issue of blood, how many years did she have to wait? Twelve. Twelve. How many years did the man sitting at the pool of Bethesda, or um, the pool, have to, have to wait? Thirty-eight. Thirty-eight years that man waited to be healed at that pool. Now, listen, none of us like to wait. I get that. I hate sitting in traffic. My wife hates it even more. <laughs> I'm just telling you, I hate sitting in a, in a doctor's office waiting for my name to be called for hours. There's very little about waiting that I like. And there's probably very little about waiting that you like. But here's the thing. I can't control when I'm going to wait, but I can control how I'm going to wait. Come on. I can't control when I'm going to have to wait, but I am in control of how I wait. And so are you. You see, Psalm 46, getting back to our songs, tells us that God is a very present help when we need it. That's, that's, what, that song, that's what that song and that sacred song says. But you see, that help can show up in many different ways. There will be times when Jesus helps us by giving patience in our waiting, right? Anybody need that sometimes? I do. Sometimes God will send someone else to help you in your situation. That's, that's another way he can be a very present help. And sometimes Jesus can change things just like that. A- absolutely. Ask the guy on the cross next to Jesus how quick it took his life to change. Like that. I want to knock this. This is a new thing. I, I got to get used to it. I mean, his, so Jesus can do that too. 
See, don't ever limit how God wants to do things. Because he, he has a thousand ways he can bring you help. But sometimes we have to learn to live quietly in that waiting. Because we trust and we hope in Jesus. Wow. My friends, on that holy night so long ago, Jesus brought us exactly what we need. He brought us the hope to keep going. And he brought us the help that we seek. In the mighty name of Jesus, I proclaim that to you. And I believe that. In Jesus' name. Amen. Will you just bow your heads right now and pray with me? God, we come before you now. Father, we are so grateful for your goodness, for your grace, and for your mercy. God, you said your mercy is new every morning. I can't tell you how grateful we are for that. And Father, thank you for sending your son on that holy night so many years ago so that he could save us from our sins. And God, we thank you that when we put our hope in you, that you will never let us down. We're so grateful that you provide us with what we need and for providing just the right help in our times of trouble. We love you, God. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, that we pray.